Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody. This is another episode of the Chatterbox Video Game Radio Show. My name is Alon. And my name's Ara. So we have been playing with the new systems now that we have the Xbox as well. Right. And by we, I mean the collective Chatterbox. Um, we haven't been playing many games on, on these systems, but we've been checking out the interfaces and the stuff that comes free for them. Oh, you know what? Interface browsing is one of my favorite things to do when a new system comes out. Can you think back to the old systems when there was no such thing as like an OS or an interface for you to mess with? Yeah, and that's why I was like really excited when... What was the first one that did something like that? Maybe it was the Turbo Graphics. Well, the Sega Master System would do something if you didn't plug a cartridge. That's in. true, and that's that predates all of that. And that was really exciting. That stupid little maze game. Yeah, yeah. But, but really, I think it was when they had optical drives that could also play CDs, and so they needed to do something. Right, right. Like, the, which is basically the the Sega Saturn did that. It had some stuff like you could watch CD and G discs for karaoke. That was stuff. that was a thrilling moment. CD for player, me. absolutely. Um, and then, of course, PlayStation and everything after that. Yep. So that's where it all started. But but now it's crazy complex. You don't even need a disc. So we talked about PlayStation, I think, probably too much last week. And I think, what, what did we, did we record on Wednesday last week? Probably. I, I think we did. And then the very next night, I was at the Microsoft store. And I, I was very active on our Facebook page that night because I was like, I'm waiting in line forever. This is the crazy line. This is what's going on in the store. And they had some, like, DJ guy. And then one of the guys who actually showed up at FIG, do, were you there when the guy did the rap stuff at FIG? Unless you're talking about a Saran rap demonstration, no. No. So there was, there was a guy they brought in. I wish I knew his name because he's, like, he's, he's pretty cool and local. And I guess he's sort of known because he's, he's been at PAX as well to perform. Um, anyway, they had him at the Microsoft store doing his thing. So that was kind of neat. But uh, I don't want to talk about the act of getting the system for too long, but just a couple highlights. Really long line. The only game I want to buy right now is Killer Instinct Pin Ultimate Edition. And I, I think we've talked about Killer Instinct a little bit, but just to recap, the game is free to play. It comes with one character. There are currently six characters in the game, and you can pay $5 per character to unlock the other five, so it'd be 25 bucks. Or you could spend $20 in one go and get all the characters. So that's like sort of the lowest level purchase that isn't the piecemeal thing. You could spend $40, which gets you all the characters plus like extra costumes and maybe backgrounds or basically all the DLC that exists for the first season, which also includes two characters that'll come down the road because um, there will be eight characters in, in the first season, so to speak. Um, and if you pay $40, no, $20 gets you all the current characters. $40 I'm gets already you... completely lost, but okay. don't let me stop So $40 you. gets you all the characters plus all the future content, and it has the original Killer Instinct game, which they refer to as Killer Instinct Classic. But then the Pin Ultimate Edition is that. No, wait, are, are you saying Pen Ultimate, or nope. are you making some kind pin. of... Uh, Pin joke. Ultimate Edition, because it is, it's not the actual physical disc. It's still not a disc, but the idea is... People like buying a, a game, so you buy a display case the size of a DVD thing, and inside it, it holds a bunch of pins that are actually created by the Penny Arcade guys. What? So they designed these pins, and so it's this, like, three-fold DVD case thing. It comes with one pin of Jago, which, again, designed by Penny Arcade, so it's got that look to it. It's a pin. A pin, like a lapel pin, like flare. Okay. You know? So... This is for 60 bucks. You get all this stuff in the $40 one, but you also get this case with, with two pins, the Jago pin and the just a generic KI logo. But then there's a bunch of other pins that you will get. They will actually ship to you if you complete challenges in the game. Well, if you've registered the Pin Ultimate Edition, which is something you do within the game. Okay, this and is... And then you submit to challenges. This sounds really them. cool, but my pedantic self is really wondering, since uh, it's clearly a play on words. Uh, yeah. But it's pin ultimate, so is there a regular ultimate? Uh, and what is the second two? Because, of no. course, that's what the, the pun that they're starting off of Yeah, 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 I get to. it. And, and I, I bet you the answer is nothing. I'm right? willing to bet you only 10% or less of our audience knows what pen ultimate even means. <sighs> yeah. 
Yeah, it's, so it's this is that's great. We can you know we can totally make puns <laughs> with like words that are like semi SIT words, and it's, no one will care because nobody knows what it means anyway. All right, go ahead. It's funny to me. Anyway, I want this because I'm a Killer Instinct fan. I want to support it, and I want everything I can do with Killer Instinct. I'm very glad that they finally released a, re- a new version, and it doesn't suck. Um, so I want this. So here's the thing: I could buy the single characters, the twenty dollar, the forty dollar version. No problem, online, get it right now. But the penultimate edition, and this sort of keys into part of the problem of this legacy concept of having physical product, which you know I prefer, but is still problematic because they need physical stock of this thing. Not only that, it's not like making a disc. They need the actual pins, which they probably didn't account for all the, the demand. So I did not know in advance that this was only available through the Microsoft Store nor did I know that it was only available through the Microsoft Online Store. The Pin Ultimate Edition. <clears throat> exactly. So wait a minute. So <clears throat> you can only buy uh, this specialty physical version uh, on, from a uh, specialty online location. Well, here's the thing. and let, let me clarify. I went to the store thinking if anybody's going to have this in stock, it's going to be the Microsoft Store. Not knowing that in actuality the only people who will have it is the Microsoft Store. I figured GameStop and everybody else would have it, but maybe they'd only get a few of them. So I went there and I asked them about it. And what was funny is the people at the store had no idea. They're like, oh, no, you just download that game online. And I explained, no, no, there's a physical edition. You have to actually buy it. And it comes with a download code. Oh, we don't have that yet. So then I wonder if they even know what I'm talking about, if they're ever getting it. But I called them yesterday. And when you call the Microsoft store, they send you to the Microsoft retail support expert, which is not someone in the actual store. It's someone who just supports the stores and they can check the stock of individual stores. So this... This very helpful woman, I think named Haley, explained to me that it is on order to go to the store, like it's in process, but they don't know when it's going to ha- when it's going to get there. So she said, eh, "Maybe check back Wednesday." But online, Microsoft Store online has it's all sold out. I mean, the button says sold out. Um, so I'm not confident they made enough and they're going to the stores, or they are going to the stores. They just didn't get there in time. But the dilemma I'm facing is I want to play this game, but because of the the carrot on the stick, that is the better version, I'm actually not buying it. Because you want to wait to get the one, and you have want, to wait to get the so one. So imagine if I paid for the $20 version to get all the characters and then paid the $60, right, well, for the full version. The lucky part is that since you can play a version for free now, right, you yeah, can, but I can only use Jago. You can, well, I mean, consider the alternative. You couldn't even do that last time, whatever last time was. Well, I guess I guess you're right, but... <laughs> The economics position here is because they created a physical version for the superfans, now the superfan is not buying the game. Right. And I wonder how this story will end. I wonder how long you will wait or how long it will take before you break. Uh, You know, I'm going to wait a long time. But what bugs me is it, it might turn out that they just don't make anymore. Can't get them. Yeah, it seems indeterminate, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, but I there was so little explanation around this. There was I never saw anything that said it's only Microsoft Store, so I had to buy there, or I would have just bought it online, you know. But I wanted to get it like day of, get something with it because I don't want any of the other games really, except maybe Dead Rising. Um, it's pretty amusing that <clears throat> these these promotions are supposed to stir up interest, do some positive effect on the, the marketing and the eco- economics of a game, and it just seems to confuse everything more. That's what I'm saying. I, and I'm willing to bet they chose Penny Arcade to do this, first of all, because they knew they'd get a quality product, but also because that would inevitably get Penny Arcade to discuss it, and it'd be essentially be free marketing by paying them to do... Well, not free, but they paid Penny Arcade to do this, but they're getting the marketing, not just the product. Right. So... Um, well, unintended consequences. Yeah, exactly. We have, I think, I think probably... Every other story about a launch of a project is about unintended consequences, it seems. So we only have a couple minutes left. Let me tell the rest of the story for me buying the system. So um, the way it works is they have a really long line. And then at 10 o'clock, they start letting people in like in chunks to pay off their pre-orders. And they had, by the way, they had plenty of systems. You could have gotten there at 1130, stood in line and still been like one of 100 or more people who didn't pre-order but still got the Xbox. So one thing that's interesting is I pre-ordered it in June, like the end of June. So I got the, quote, day one edition of the system, which is a black box. And the only difference on the inside is that the controller has an inscription that says day one, like day one 2013 or something like that. Um, 
So it's the day one edition. And oh, and there's an achievement. They decided against printing beta version. Uh, yeah, that's true. So um, I got the day one edition. But that implies to me marketing day one, be there day of, stand in line, get it the day it comes out. Everyone who does that, you would think, would get the day one edition. But according to the people at the store, they said they sold out of the day one edition a month and a half prior to day one. Okay, so I, have, I have the solution to this problem. That, that whole concept of being able to sell out of day one and having this thing that they call day one yeah. is inherently frustrating to me. I don't think they should have done that. Yeah. They should well, have, just, they should have people... called it early adopter. No, they should have called it hour one. And then they should have another version that's called day one. And then there's another version called day two. And then uh, do like seven more. And that way everyone will be happy and will get to rank themselves and compare Xboxes. It's, it's just upsetting. Um, but moving beyond that, when I finally got into the store, there were like, I found a tiny little line because a million people are taking money, right? But you can't tell who's who because the store is so filled with people. I get a small line and I figure this will be fast. But it took like 20 minutes for three people to buy this, to pay off stuff. And because it was before midnight, they were putting all their stuff in a bag, placing that bag somewhere else, and then giving you a receipt with a number handwritten on it in marker. And then you would give them that receipt and then pick up the bag. And I'm sure they made sure it matched whatever. Um, I happened to be, just by total luck, I would say, I was the first person to get the Xbox after midnight. So like my transaction started before midnight, completed after midnight. And so I was the first person to actually take the machine instead of having to put it in a bag and move somewhere else and then pick it up at midnight. So that was kind of neat. Uh, also, they had a cake shaped like an Xbox and controllers, and I, w- I didn't stay long enough for them to actually cut it up. I don't that know if they did. That sounds weird to me. I put a picture on our Facebook page. It looks really good, but they had cake pops that were incredible. I had those. Didn't have the Xbox cake, but the cake pops, magnificent. All right, well, the... Uh completely successful on the bakery portion of the release. Chatterboxers, how much do you love Amazon.com? Since you're like me, the answer is a lot. And since you love Chatterbox almost as much, here's what I want you to do. Next time you get a new game, a pair of socks, downloadable MP3, anything really, go to helpchatterbox.com. It takes you to Amazon, but when you buy something, we get a piece of the action. That's good for us, and Amazon feels good because you didn't buy it from GameStop. Helpchatterbox.com. Remember it. Bookmark it. Tattoo it backwards on your forehead. And yes, all I'm asking you to do is buy stuff you are already going to buy. Just do it at helpchatterbox.com. Welcome back. You are still listening to Shatterbox Video Game Radio. Which, as always, is sponsored by the University of Advancing Technology. Their website is uat.edu. I I suspect they have some Xboxes and Playstations to play over there. Now, since we're on the topic of the Xbox, there's something I want to briefly mention. Because we talked about broken PS4s last time. There seem to be some reports of broken xboxes but not as many mostly they have to do with the disk drive have you had an opportunity to test your disk drive because of what people are saying i made sure i tried two things first i put the 360 a360 disk in there just to see would it would it know um what would it say as the error message for not you know being willing to play this game um and would it grind right and it, it just said no you know I forget exactly what it said, but it was a reasonable error message about how you need to put in an Xbox One disc. And it won't play an Xbox 360 game or some other stuff. Well, that's good because if... Well, if you knew that yours was broken for sure, then I would suggest there's a um, fix going around online. It's called the punching fix. I haven't heard of this one. Yeah, it, it involves a swift punch to your hardware. and uh, Kind of like the old TVs? From 1960? Uh, maybe. I think that if the uh, if step one doesn't work, then step two is punching everything else around the thing that you just punched. Okay. And and that apparently works? 
Um, well, if that doesn't work, then just throw everything out the window and do something else with your life. No, but I can't tell if you're joking or if someone actually wrote about the punch fix. Yeah, isn't that ironic? Uh, now, someone wrote about it. I just, I'm, I'm being really facetious about it right now because I couldn't tell if it was actually somebody's idea of a troll or somebody legitimately... Okay, well, it's actually I utilizing this to fix their thing. I haven't read about it, but it's about as good as the blanket solution for the 360. Oh, yeah, um, there was that, wasn't that? So there, there is some other stuff I want to talk about. You came over and saw the interface, right? Um, yeah, actually, I want to mention something that was kind of interesting. Between both of the interfaces, the thing that struck me was that I'd gotten, gotten so accustomed to having a lot of free game content on the other machines, and there's nothing on the new ones right now. There's no demos. And I'm wondering if this is going to be sticky or if this is just because it's just at the beginning. It's probably because they wanted to focus all their energy on making the games. Right. It's, I mean, that would be, that's completely plausible. And we, it's obviously so rushed. And, and a little bit later, we want to talk about that some more. We, have a, we had a listener mail, interestingly enough, from an interesting source. But anyway, I don't want to belabor that. Okay. So what else do we have left on this? Well, I... Um... So just like when when you came over, the first thing you did was want to sift through every little setting and and check out all the things you could do with it. When I first when I first hooked it up, first of all, it takes a really long time to uh, like to boot at all, and then you have to download the day one patch. But it's not like the PS4 where okay you could at least run a game. And we, I think we've talked about this. Like you literally can't you can't even see the OS interface. It's just a special, you know, it has a nice fancy welcome screen, kind of like Windows, like, hey, you're setting this up. What's your wireless network? And what's your uh, your time zone? Let's get this thing ready to go. Hey, before you can do anything, you're going to have to get this patch, which, by the way, you have to download. Like, they, for a while, they had it available online, but then they decided to take that away because you had to be able to connect to Xbox Live. Interesting. So you um, you have to download this. If you do not have internet access... You cannot use this video game system for anything. Yeah, I bet if you... Because people were trying to download through USB in order to bypass all the presumable network traffic, right? Yeah. Cause they, and they had it posted, but then they pulled it down saying, actually, we don't want you to do that. Right. I bet you they, they're they doing... they By way of you connecting on the network, I bet you they're collecting a lot more data that they wouldn't get at if you had updated just with the manual method. And I Probably. bet you that's one of the and, reasons. Uh, I also, I saw on, you know, one of the, the journalist websites about video games that um, one guy upgraded using the USB and he immediately had his S- Xbox banned. Fantastic. Yeah. That's great. I assume that will get corrected, but it's just ridiculous that it would happen in the first place. So anyway, it, it was kind of a stress because for whatever reason, my router died out in the middle of the download for this thing. So... I assumed that it was Xbox Live not working, right, because of the the stress on the network, whatever. But, like, nothing I had in my house would work. So clearly it was the router. I rebooted. It downloaded everything. We're good. Um, But when I start off, I look at all these settings. You know, what do you want Connect to do? Do you want the DVR to download stuff? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, uh, actually, I don't know if it forces that at the beginning. But I went into the settings, and I said, no, no DVR. Because I was like, I don't. Why waste this hard drive space on constant DVR when I'm never going to use that feature? So then, a couple of days later, I'm playing Killer Instinct, and some of the combos in the dojo like practice levels get super complex, and I couldn't figure out how to do it. And I noticed YouTube didn't have one at all. So I was like, Well, I'll do this. I'll post it on YouTube and show people what it's supposed to look like because I couldn't figure it out. And uh, so eventually, I would figure it out and post it. So like, Hey, Xbox, record that, which is what you're supposed to say, and then it gives you the 30 seconds. Uh, the previous 30 seconds and it would it would make the ding like it recognized me and it said like okay xbox record that on the screen so i knew that it it received my input properly my voice but it never completed then i would just go to the game dvr this is days later i forgot i had changed the setting when i set it up right i thought that oh well it listens to me it tries to record great i opened up the dvr app thing in the snap on the right side of, of the screen i was like okay start Start a recording. Start right now. Go. And the error message isn't, oh, hey, you need to activate DVR in your settings if you want to do this. Or would you like to turn it on since you previously turned it off? Something like that. It just says uh, something like, couldn't do it, error code. 
0x832 whatever, right? And I even asked my friend who works at Microsoft, is in the beta program, has access to the list of all the error codes, and he's like, yeah, we don't have anything on that code. I don't know what that is. So, um, and all my friends have no problem recording DVR, and I was like, I have to bring this back to the store because the DVR feature doesn't work because I'd totally forgotten that I had turned off that setting. And then when you went through it uh, a couple days later, you saw that I had that, you know, you were in there, and I noticed the little box wasn't checked, and I go, oh, my God, that's why I can't record anything and their error message is just a piece of crap so we turned it on and instantly all my dvr stuff was working so now i'm going to turn it on in that rare case i want to actually record something um i think this is such a good example of how easy it is to forget that no matter how simple or straightforward an interface or some software is or something about some software functionality could be Right, it still can get neglected, especially yeah. if they're not putting enough resources into that product. What's weird is you think about how big the company is, and you're like, someone would certainly catch this. They would run all of the possible permutations of settings and tests, and someone would catch it. There's a team that does this, and you realize, no, actually, like they they don't necessarily test for everything. They don't think about that particular situation, and stuff gets gets dropped right Right. they just miss it and of course the more the company is pushing and rushing the worse that happens yeah oh another thing is my my friend who's had the beta for a few months he's like they keep changing and it's kind of annoying sometimes it's xbox on to turn it on sometimes it's xbox turn on and i can tell you right now in the final retail version which of course may still change to turn the xbox on by voice you say xbox on which by the way almost never works for me i have to like scream into it but it's xbox on yeah, how do you how do you like that? You're still going to be using the voice command even despite that. If it worked, it'd be great because I actually because the Xbox is so big, I had to put it somewhere else in my house. It's like behind, literally behind a wall. Right. So if I want to put a disc in, I have to walk into my hallway, not in the living room, and put a disc in, and then go back into the other room. And so the Connect actually fits through a hole in that wall. The Connect is in the living room area with a, the cable going out the back to where the Xbox is because it won't fit anywhere else. But anyway. Finishing my thought, Xbox on to turn it on, but Xbox turn off in order to turn it off, not Xbox off, which kind of makes sense because off and on sound similar. So you wouldn't want Xbox off and Xbox on. So you have one that's just on and one that's turn off. Why don't they just say turn for both of them, though? Because then it, would, then it would just be turn on and turn off, which sounds similar. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. On and off are alike. So I, I'm, I'm realizing that now, but it's still you know, weird. You know what, though? I, I actually don't even think that, that that would follow because you're still saying on and off in both cases. But by, because you're saying turn, both of them, by you saying turn, then the Xbox can narrow it down to, well, if, you, if this is the only verb that it recognizes that you say turn, if yeah, these are only two of them, then it knows that, okay, it's going to be either on or off. And it could actually... I can't see how it would hurt its precision now. It just, I mean, it's it can a tra- only get better. It's right? a trailing consonant. Maybe it could be it could be an artifact of maybe how people tend to say it, and that might screw it up. If the words up. "on" and "off" used a different vowel, I would agree with you. But "on" yeah. and "off." See, already, I just instead of even like laboring over this conversation, I just want to press a button. Yeah, well, there's that option too, it, unless it's behind the the wall. But uh, yeah, so lots of weird stuff going on with the interface. Yeah. The whole I don't, thing. See, I'm, I'm, see, I can't relate to that problem because to turn on my console, I have to go around and press a button in three different places. <laughs> That's true. Um, th- but another thing you notice too is that it's just really complex. Like there's this whole snap feature which brings in a second application, but I can't figure out when you have the snap feature how to go to the main window again sometimes. Yeah, you know what's and funny? I was... couldn't tell like. There are these, these the squares, like the Windows 8 squares, and you thought, oh, oh, there it is. And I was like, no, 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 that's just there because we happen to open settings they're, a minute ago. They're always so changing. Can't. I'm glad you brought this up because I, I have this particular uh, complaint about Microsoft seems to have this hard-on for moving things around according to algorithm in their software. And it's one of the worst – I I caution – I always caution myself from being – uh, making any sweeping generalizations about how to do things in terms of interface design. But this is one corner that's almost always bad to move where a functionality is located 
on an interface. It's just confusing. You, yeah. it's so easy to well, forget how I'm much you rely on the where PS4 things now. are. Both, both of them do that. Yeah. We're back again. It is the holiday season. We're talking a lot about games, and, and I'm trying to show off on our Facebook page stuff you know that I come across with the Xbox that's weird. Little things like the battery compartment of the controller saying hello from Seattle on the sticker, stuff like that. Um, Thank you for we, being a beta tester. I mean, a first-day purchaser. Yeah. We, uh, we want you guys to participate in our Facebook page. Like, if you, if you have something you want us to talk about, if... You know, if there's some topic, whatever, uh, get in there. I'm, I don't need to encourage you to go to our page just so we get likes so that we look cool because, like, nobody's going to buy advertising on the show or something based on our like count. Um, but I just want you guys to interact if you feel like interacting. So just be aware it's there. Our website has a link to it. Uh, it's just Facebook slash uh, Chatterbox, game, or Chatterbox Video Game Radio. It's the whole name. Um, so if, if there's stuff you want to talk about or, or say, get in on that. Um, do we want to do want to switch over and, and go to this voicemail from from yeah, Dog? I think this is a good good transition to that one. And then and then there's some other new console discussion. I think in the next segment we'll get to again. Yeah, that's a that's a good plan. So most of you don't know because we've quit announcing it that we have a Google Voice number that nobody knows except for um, one of our listeners. What's his name? Uh, Kent Doggy Dog. All right. I think it, it might also be posted on our website. I think we still have it there. Oh, okay. Well, that's okay too. So this is completely a valid way of getting in touch with us, but we don't advertise it anymore. But we got a couple messages from one of our listeners, and he was asking us uh, about what we were talking about last episode about um, something something about. He was wondering if the reason why all of this stuff was pushed out so quickly the xbox console and the new ps4 because it's actually more more cost of cost effective to do so i thought his question was about the games not the systems or like in general well yeah i think he's also extending it to apply generally to is it just generally more cost effective to push something out and um my answer to it is well yeah i mean obviously they believe by all of their metrics, whatever metrics they have to judge this by, that this is the most cost-effective way to do it. And, of course, um, it's hard to disagree with that. And well, if, I'll give you reasons. Um, okay, well, I'll, I'll be glad to hear them. Um, but I think in general, in terms of just if we're talking about product development or game development, clearly the person who's doing the mushing believes that the mushing is effective. Otherwise, they wouldn't be doing it, right? Is mushing some official word I'm not familiar with? Or oh, are you just saying, like, doing like, the junk that we think is stupid? Yeah, like whipping um, the employees to work harder and faster to meet unreasonable deadlines. Okay. Uh, metaphorical whipping, of course. Of course. So, the, I mean, and that, and that starts to get into a whole other thing where there's this pretty pervasive uh, political attitude going around that it's kind of like an adversarial relationship a lot of times between the the mushers and the mushies because the mushing is happening in the first place because the person who's doing it right he thinks there's some effect in other words he thinks that if he doesn't pressure the workers to work harder then they wouldn't work at their best capacity and of course that starts to imply some level of mistrust and then you get get into all that kind of work psychology stuff that's probably beyond what we want to talk about right now but um 
I mean, it's, yeah, there's always a balance of that. And you're always kind of fighting where that threshold is, in my opinion. And it's not always clear. And I think that the answer is usually somewhere in the middle where you don't, at least for me, you don't want to take an infinite amount of time, even though you can, so you have to stop eventually. And you probably have to stop sooner than you wish to. But at the same time, there's also, there is, it is possible to push things out too fast. And, you know, that threshold's got to change from context to context. And who knows where the best answer really is. But I think everyone operates according to their best interest. So I'm going to give you my take on it. First of all, the reason is that you, there's no way to actually get an answer to this is because there are far too many factors in play and those factors are inconsistent from product to product. So all we can do is speculate and maybe come up with some examples and consider the aggregate and, and all that. So um, first of all, systems and software are very different. If you rush a piece of hardware out to the point that it, some piece of the hardware is actually wrong, then it is definitely not cost effective to have pushed that out because it's very expensive to resolve that situation. If it is the software contained on the hardware, like the OS, yeah, sure, these days you can update it. If it's a software issue, these days you can update it. I wish that they didn't have to do so much updating because there's plenty of people, as I always say, who don't have the damn internet and can't update it. But luckily, most of the things people are updating these days with patches only affect online play. Um, and the, the single player or whatever, like the offline play, tends to work pretty well. You know what's funny about all that? It's Remember when all these digital updates first started? And everyone was like, we're worried that it's going to mean that companies don't actually finish their products when they're accustomed to or expected to by the consumer and they just finish it or clean it up later. And that's, yeah, no, that's exactly that's what happened. Totally happening. Yeah. All the and time. as long as here's the thing, if you screw up the single player, the thing that doesn't require the person to be online to use in the first place, that's a problem. But if it's like making adjustments or tweaks to the multiplayer experience of some first person shooter, I don't care if you have to release an update. Fine, because a lot of that data you couldn't get without a large sample of, uh, you know, testing anyway. Of course. But uh, but if like there's a save error where, you know, your save game just doesn't work from level five to six in a single player game, uh, or an offline game, then that's total bull. I'd be like, you need to send me a disc that has this fixed from the beginning, a fixed version. But anyway, that's that's not what I'm talking about. So hardware uh, is a big problem, but there's a lot of a lot of factors, right? Because it's not just you release the system and then, you know, X, Y, and Z fall into place after you release it. It's that you're releasing in an ecosystem that involves other people also releasing, and that is in a competitive market. So if you look at the example of Nintendo, rushing to market was absolutely the wrong thing to do because there are other factors being the software that people get excited about not being present. And then you have the hype of the initial release. So the initial release is hyped, but if it's not... Um, in concert with the software that people want, then nobody buys it. And they don't have the opportunity to have that initial release hard, or that hardware release hype accommodate or, or um, act in, in concert with the games that are now finally coming out. And even now, there's only a few games. So Nintendo just killed itself. This whole generation is going to fail, just like the last generation wasn't terribly successful. Well, I'm sorry, we was successful. I was thinking GameCube. GameCube wasn't terribly successful because they just didn't have the games to back it up. And they're not going to, even though Wii, the Wii is a fantastic system. Um, nobody bought it. It's a year later, still nobody's buying it, and they ruined it by rushing. Now let's talk about software. And this is really true in general, rushing. And when we say rushing, we mean putting it out so early that there are problems with the thing that you've rushed, right? The right. act of rushing it meant it came out imperfect. Yeah, you're, you're actually making a concerted decision to decreased testing or certain amount of development time that's already been allocated. Like they, when, when they rush products, they usually, they're aware that they're doing it. It's a calculated. Definitely. We've got to get out by holiday. So we're not going to add this extra level that we originally had planned, or we're not going to have that extra character, or we're not going to do as much testing. We're going to let this bug go through and we can fix it post. Um, And all, everything ships with bugs. Yeah, it's just the a question, only question of how many is bugs. how many and what kind. Yeah, it's not that they didn't know there were bugs. So, so anyway, understand that we're not talking about just making it faster by paying people to work harder. It's knowing that rushing also leads to a lower quality product. So, with with that as a an understanding of what we're talking about, I argue that that is only good for short term, and this is true outside of the video game industry. It's true in well, all sorts of things. It's something that I train on in, in my day job that, that you can't think short term because you're dealing with a customer base, customer base that 
follows you in the long term. And the perfect example is Ubisoft. I've told you guys how much I hate Ubisoft stuff because it's chock full of bugs and I just the experience is always blown for me. When they have a good idea, they have good execution in some areas, but they don't do enough to, to back it up, I have all these problems. So that means they have a consumer, me, who's not buying their games, even though some of them look interesting, because I don't trust in the brand. So they have conditioned me to be unhappy with their stuff, even if now they do a good job. If they change gears and are making good stuff, it doesn't matter because I believe that it's going to have a bad experience associated with it. So I don't trust them. So in the short term, rush it out, get people to buy it. Great. In the long term, you hurt your brand by putting out something that is subpar and conditioning people to believe that it is not good. Now, the, the question, it's always a balance of hey, if I can how many people think that way. What? Incidentally, I'm, I'm wondering what you think about – I have the impression that most companies don't have good metrics for customer dissatisfaction, and they, all, they, they tend to kind of discount that. Do you think – that happens. I, I can tell you, considering the amount of time that I spend in social media um, in, in my day job, um, the ability to measure and the propensity of companies to be aware of that and measure customer satisfaction is much greater now than it was prior to the existence of social media. Hmm. Whether or not they can measure it long term and they care is another question. But I can tell you that in the short term, there is a great awareness in most industries about what the customer is saying. And they're very interested in feedback because they understand that the customer voice is now a strong thing in the market. If it, if it didn't have that strength, I'm sure they wouldn't care. Right. Because the thing you have to also fight against is the, the, uh, the expert or the, the, what do you want to call it, um, the professional complainer phenomenon, right? Where people, on, there may be something about a product that people you get a lot of bad complaints about volume wise, but it actually doesn't even materially affect your sales. It's because right. The, like this, the small group of loud people are really yeah, this, the squeaky wheel. Right. In, right. I mean, there, that's always an issue to some extent, but for real, if it's a genuine problem, you're going to have a lot of people complaining because those squeaky wheels are just going to become like, there's going to be multiple. It's not just one source because one person can only spread the word so much. And people who are, as you put it, professional complainers, nobody likes negativity, right? So people who just complain over and over and over tend not to have the large audiences. Now, there's some exceptions like political people who are all crazy and all complaining all the time. They have followers, but that's a different issue. Um, generally, I think people who are just complain all the time don't have a lot of people listening because nobody likes to just be unhappy all the time. But, um, but when you have a bad product, you're going to have small spots, like a large number of small spots of people complaining, and then they all see that there are other people with the same complaints, and that's when it grows into a big issue. Um, it's, it's this c compilation of concerns from multiple un unrelated people. Uh, so anyway, rushing is a bad thing, but there's so many factors that maybe you rush a little bit and not many people notice and not a big deal. Hardware? Other story. Never rush hardware in my opinion. But they all did it. Every single one of them. I got a word when we come back. Are you going to find a Master of Science program in technology that creates thinkers who understand how business works and how to apply the technology? Where else are you going to discover a graduate degree in technology that is customized to meet your objectives? Where else in the Valley, on campus or online, can you study at the only private university that gives you the opportunity to focus in specialized areas like network security, artificial life programming, and game studies, as well as technology management? Where else? Where else but the University of Advancing Technology? UAT's graduate technology program is accelerated. It combines business with technology. It offers the flexibility to adapt quickly to changes that come in high-tech fields. Feed your brain. Lead. Manage. You won't find this innovative environment anywhere else. UAT, the select private university where you'll be fully immersed in technology. The experience is unrivaled. Click UAT.edu. That's UAT.edu. And we are back yet again. It is still Chatterbox Video Game Radio. And uh, once again, I'm going to mention UAT.edu, the website for the University of Advancing Technology. We should just 
we should start some sort of like pro bono class there where we just talk about this stuff or maybe we record over there or something so we can have an audience that sounds exciting you think we should do that uh sure why not i wonder that would be a good way to do it wait that's not for money wait i don't want to do it anymore they even have a studio but like we could go down there and then make a whole thing like chatterbox records at uat that would be awesome they could have a better studio space than i do in my living room yeah all right. Well, going back to uh, what we were talking about before we came back, I just want to wrap that up. Our listener, Kent Dog, was also asking uh, to me specifically um, after he threatened to call me a perfectionist and then immediately backpedaled. Uh, you can call me a perfectionist, Kent. I don't care. But I'm not a perfectionist. Uh, but he was asking me what he thinks I think an acceptable amount of problems are. And you quantify that. Right. My first question. <laughs> yeah, that's my reaction. My first reaction is I have no idea. I mean, here's the thing, right? There's always problems. But if we if we lived in a world where economics didn't factor into the equation, of course, I want to work on something until it's super duper polished. And it's gleaming from all angles. And that's the kind of effort that I like to put into the pursuits in my life. But the reality is, is that you have to accept a certain, you have to stop eventually because video game development is incredibly laborious. And there just has to be a threshold of where you say, okay, this amount of dirtiness is acceptable. You just have to make that compromise when yeah. you're dealing with an economic situation. I mean, that's true in any art form. They say art is never finished, right? You'll continually yeah, yeah, tweak forever and ever and ever. It's true. Um, and so I think that it's it's especially inevitable, though, in in video games, unless you're in one of those enviable positions where you can just take your time, your sweet, sweet time, with development and continue to be paid for it. There's a few like teams Fez. that can enjoy this, but I have not been in one of those situations myself. So I not professionally. I'm going to try to answer that question, uh, but of course it's going to be vague and, and not real. Um, the The amount of problems that are allowed are enough that the consumer is not so dissatisfied that they don't purchase it or have a negative opinion of it for the long term. Oh, yeah. Can I, can I tell you real quick what really um, rustles my jimmies is sure. the whole thing where they, they play with that threshold. So it's like, it's like the water park thing or it's like the uh, food at sports or uh, music events thing where it's like they, they just – they really try as hard as they possibly can to push up that price to the most extreme limit so that uh, they basically load, like by way of the economic deal that they're proposing, they give you the most amount of anxiety uh, f- while still extracting the most amount of money for you, from you. And I, I really hate that deal. We are still talking about rushing things and quality, Yeah, it's, right? it's a corresponding thing, though, because what is like the result of rushing happens is that you're you're basically saying look i'm going to cause a certain amount of anxiety in the consumer and i'm betting that they're going to tolerate this while still getting them to participate in my economy yeah it's i mean the, it's, it's the similar deal with that other stuff it's the same as a supply supply demand curve and and there's because you're because you are interacting with a large sample right there are going to be all different types some people will be disturbed by a small number of problems other people have a much greater threshold and it's just where do you get that perfect or you're aiming for that balance of money saved by by rushing without affecting so many people that they they stay away and i mean there's no real answer again every product is different every market is different all of that stuff but generally speaking we all know you want to make a good product and make people happy because if you think back to all the companies you trust and all the companies you want to buy from it's the companies that make really good products with not a lot of problems you know halo is a really popular franchise I don't think of Halo and then think of bugs. We all know there's some fun bugs that make their way into YouTube videos and whatever, but the game is pretty solid. Other games, I mean, we could rattle off a million games that like just run well. And then I think of Ubisoft. (laughs) I think of, I've just come across too many errors in their stuff. And maybe they're not even like that anymore. But um, that's the feeling I, I have. 
or the thought that I have when I think about that, that particular brand. Um, so, so clearly for me, they crossed that threshold, but for other people, not at all. Cause people keep buying their games. Right. Let's so move on other, to the last thing. Yeah. So some other stuff, something I wanted to talk about, you came over this weekend and you got to see super Mario 3d world, which I was very impressed by, I must say, which is rare for it, you. It is rare. I was like, wow. I just, it's one of those things where I just saw it. And from the first second I saw it, I was like this this looks like it's going to be good. And every single bit of it that I've seen of it since then continues to tell me the same yeah. thing. You didn't even play it, but you said in like the first 15 seconds, see, I can tell already this is a high quality game. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I wanted to mention a, one very specific point. Yes, the game is good and I've only played very little of it. Um, I'm a little bit worried that I'm getting bored with Mario games, which I thought would never happen. It happened. Um, it happened to me, but this is the first Mario game I've been interested in in a while. But yeah. go ahead. So I definitely do still want to play more of it. But one thing I noticed was, first of all, we know it's on the Wii U. We've been playing these other next-gen console systems, which are now current-gen consoles, and seeing the graphics in these games. And I was mentioning this in one of the Facebook threads with Joe. Is like, um, these this generation. We talked about this last week. This generation graphics is really like the only visible differentiating factor between this this generation and last generation um because they might add a few things whatever environments might get bigger physics might get a little bit more complex but to the average observer it's the quality of graphics is the only thing that says yep this is a new gen thing like i can tell this is different than before um and of course my uh blood started to boil in response to this yeah but i mean that's that's basically true though it's how we can tell that it's it's better because we think so much with our eyes so anyway i'm playing this wii u game and honest to god i want you i want you guys to listen and realize i am not exaggerating super mario 3d world looks better just talking about visually visually it is better than any of these next gen games that i've seen that's what made my blood boil now i have not seen tons i mean i did i saw like fifa 14 in the ps4 and i saw knack not for very long right only for a little bit like in the store and i'll see more over time and i'm sure i'll be proven wrong over time but the wii u mario 3d world or super mario 3d world looks phenomenal and it's kind of like um what was that fighting game made by square in the playstation days tobal number two yeah tobal number two uh, looked beautiful, and it was like it was like all gorad shaded or whatever that is. Did yeah, what they did right? was they were able to achieve really smooth frame rate and extremely high resolution by compromising on um, things like texture data. Yeah, they basically didn't and, texture at um, all. Complexity it was just all of the shapes and so on. And it it looked beautiful. It, the animation was was smooth, like you said, but also just it looked good. Like I was fine with the flat textures, the the shaded textures rather than detailed textures, and Mario 3D World does some of that, but it also, I mean, it has textures too, but everything just looks good. I don't see a flat line around a character anywhere. Like any of the games you look at these days, um, Gears of War might be like the exception to the rule. Like you still see the polygons on these characters. Yeah. Okay. So I have something to say about this because I had to search very deeply into my soul after um, the half-life of my autonomic nervous system expired. And I was able to be rational once again. I was trying to figure out why I was emo- reacting so emotionally to what you were saying about how good it looked. Because I didn't think it looked quite that good. And this is what I decided. By your by your uh, assessment, it looks good because you really valued, you know, not jagged lines and smooth lines and so on, Right. It's a completely... Well, and the detail. The detail was there. Everything, it was beautiful. Well, I mean, yeah, but this or is not presented deti- in such a way where the detail that was there was the right amount. Okay. I didn't need So more. it's not... It's not this is, okay, so this is really interesting, and this is the point I want to make, is that um, it's not a... See, your judgment, and not you, Alon, but one's judgment of how good something looks is now, and this is actually a good thing, I think, truly subjective like we've gotten to the point in the pursuit of this medium that evaluation is now based on your taste and subjectivity whereas in the early 80s it was not so subjective because we were comparing 
right? A screen of a resolution that was like 240 by 480 uh, compared to resolution that's double that. Of course, you're going to say that when the pixels get twice as small, it's going to look twice as good. And when you're making those kinds of leaps every couple of years, the amount of variation and the amount of effect that a artist's particular style has tends to get diminished. But now that we're at the point where we can pretty much make things look however we want to, it's simply a function of how much time we spend at it and what techniques we use and uh, what we want the style to be, right? Now style is actually overcoming uh, efficacy it's, it's over not just, just that. technological ability. I'm and looking at the character models and I'm saying they look perfect to me. Now, clearly they're cartoony. They're not trying to look realistic, but I don't see any flat polygon edges on anything. Everything looks exactly the way Yeah, I mean, those are, those are your personal values, and this game completely satisfies those values. Yeah. Now, there, there are but, but here's the some thing, jagged right? edges just because they don't anti-aliens. Right, but, but the, my point is that it's now, it's now a discussion of taste, isn't it? No, it, no, not completely. Okay, so because I would you're say just completely they, they refusing could have their, to acknowledge. No, they could just say that this this isn't powerful enough, so we still need to have a low polygon count on these models, and you have to accept that. If you look at the Nintendo 64 version of Mario, you can definitely see polygons. But this version, like, I can't. And it's a year-old hardware. Okay. And that hardware was already behind. I'm not arguing that, ones. though. My I, point is that Wii U doesn't... Like, it's... I learned that it's basically the effort put into the system. It's not the hardware itself. Who cares that the PS4 is more powerful? Nintendo apparently does amazing work. Okay. With much well, there's hardware. there's a lot more dimensions to this topic that we didn't we didn't get to, um, and I feel like you've completely blocked the conversation by refusing to acknowledge my point. But let's I pick that up. Personal realizations next. that I made, and they were important to me. Yeah. Let's try. Let's try again next week. Good night, guys. Bye, everybody. You've been listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Tune in next week for more tips and info and the latest and greatest in video gaming. And remember, all your base are belong to us.